0: Hey, y'all, this is Allie Spears, your host of the Ag Chicks podcast, where I cultivate connections with the women who are helping feed the world. Brittany and I were just talking about how about how eating my lunch
1: when the podcast started,
0: <laughs> right that but just having like our real lives being kind of chaos in a way and being hot messes because I can definitely relate to that um and it makes me feel better when people say that their lives are like that as well because then I feel like I'm not insane
1: (laughs) yeah you're definitely not insane that's not that's not happening
0: (laughs) oh man but um Brandy I kind of want to start off by just talking about like you guys are in Kansas right yep yep and that's have you always been in Kansas or was that a relocation
1: Um, so we live in the same county that I was born and raised. Uh, so, so I've always wanted to live in Kansas after, you know, I grew up here. I've lived in Kansas my entire life, except for like 11 months when we lived in, my husband and I lived in Australia for almost a year. And we went there right after, I feel like your next question is like, why were you in Australia? So I'm just going to answer that in advance. Yeah. <laughs> um My husband was a Fulbright scholar when we were in grad school. And so that pay a Fulbright scholarship pays for a year of graduate study in another country. And you have to go where you can speak the language. Like you have to already be fluent in the language of the country you're going to go to. So he speaks English and that's really going to narrow it down for him. Yeah, He wanted to work with pigs. So basically that narrowed us it down to like Canada, Australia, stuff like that. So we went to Australia. We were there for about 11 months. We got married in January of 2011, and moved to Australia in February 2011, and we were there for oh. the entirety of that year. Um, so outside of that, I have lived in Kansas my whole life. So I, li- I live in the county I grew up in. Yeah.
0: Okay, but how cool to live in Australia? Where in Australia were you guys at?
1: Uh, we were stationed or like focused in Melbourne, um, which okay. is, like, you know, the uh, Australia is like kind of an upside down heart. Mm-hmm. So if you think about like where Florida is in United States, that's where Melbourne is. It's part, it's uh, the capital city of the state of Victoria. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the southernmost point of the mainland of Australia. There's a little island down there called Tasmania, which is beautiful and lovely and everybody should go to it, but we we're north of that. So we lived in Melbourne, but we were fortunate to be able to travel around. Um, We got to go to lots of different places, you know so that was really good. It was a great experience. I encourage everybody to get out of the United States and see other cultures and see and hear other perspectives on things.
0: Yes, for sure. Uh, Australia was, I went there for like four days, so I can't even, not, not 11 months, can't relate to that, Uh, but it was like
1: four days, like that's still outside of the comfort zone, so good for you. Yes, but that's definitely
0: somewhere I want to go back to. Um, So we were in, now it's, you're going to stretch my memory here we were in sydney for i think two days and then um the blue mountains If that's yeah
1: yeah you don't think mountains like you think of australia and they're not like the mountains we have in the united states they're like red mountains with not pine trees on them but they are yes the blue mountains yeah that's in uh queensland yes yeah
0: so we were there for i think two days as well um but that was like on a couple location trips so we were in sydney we went to fiji Actually, I think it's
1: in New South Wales, actually. I think they're in New South Wales, like Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. I think that's how it goes. Sorry. Okay, Go no,
0: that, that makes sense because I was like, I know where you're talking about, but I don't think that's where I was, so.
1: Oh, um, I mean, um, about where they where are. Where it is. I'll yeah. Look later. Yeah, if they're, which state they're in. I have my states backward. But anyway, you went to Fiji. How long were you in Fiji?
0: We were in Fiji for three days, I think, um, and that was... Such an incredible experience. I would definitely go back to uh Australia, Fiji. And then we were also in New Zealand, which was also just absolutely beautiful. So I would I'd go back highly recommend all of those places.
1: I have not Um, been to New Zealand other than like when we lay over on the way to Australia. We always fly into Auckland. We have like a two-hour layover before we fly the rest of the way to Australia. But we honeymooned in Fiji. And so we were there for like eight days or something like that. And that was really nice. But it sounds like maybe you were like on an ag tour or something like that. Or
0: so we, you, it like, was so um, many
1: time, spots in like a short amount of time. So what were you doing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then we finished in Hawaii. So it was like, I would oh. say we were gone for like two weeks total, but it was a couple of days in each of the locations. Um, it was actually through EF tours, my AP biology Teacher in high school was like certified to be a tour guide through them, and so she basically opened up to any students who wanted to go. So I think there was about twenty five of us that ended up. Going. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, so it was really fun. That was before That's my senior year of high school.
1: That's awesome to get to go yeah. do that when you're in high school. Yeah, very cool.
0: Yeah, I always like attribute that experience to me being so independent as a traveler now because that'll teach you how to pack in a carry on and get through yeah. pretty quickly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's great.
0: Yeah, it was a very cool experience. Um, But for you, I'm assuming as well, unique to see kind of that side of the world in agriculture as well and kind of experience that. Or was it mostly just kind of cultural stuff that you guys did?
1: No, it was agriculture. I mean, he was working, his master's is in um, swine nutrition. So he was working on, I mean, he had a project designed that he worked on like while he was there. And Mm -hmm. so while he was doing that, I wrote my master's thesis and I did come like other some other like jobs so I was a tutor at a so universities they're like they're all called a college is called a university and then like the what we would call a fraternity or uh what's the other one fraternity but we would call those they call those colleges and so um we actually lived in a college house there like on campus of a a, it was basically a co-ed fraternity and sorority and we were like basically um, because i was tutoring classes we got the opportunity to live there so i tutored classes i was a teacher's assistant and then i also was a graduate research assistant there or like a research assistant with the university of melbourne that where my husband hyatt was doing his project so i helped on projects that involved sheep, which was not something I had ever done, like sheep projects. We don't have a lot of that in the United States, but I helped with a lot of like heat stress and um, like agronomy type experiments with sheep and helped with, um, did helped him with his pig research and his wine nutrition research and did some stuff with dairy cows and rumen fluid. So I got to do a lot of different things, but and then I was a fr- I freelance, I, that's how I got started freelance writing. Um, and so I did all of that. So his assistantship or like scholarship money paid our bills and our rent and stuff like that. And, you know, and then the money that I made on these, all these many side jobs paid for us to go to all these adventures around the rest of Australia. And so we, I saw the different kinds of agriculture, you know, like they have a lot of canola there. They are not growing much corn, if any at all, it's a very water intensive crop and they don't have a lot of water in Australia in terms of rainfall or just in general. Um, as, so there's lots of differences in agriculture, um, and food production, and just food consumption in general. But we also got to see a lot of the cultural differences as well. We were in, um, we were based out of Melbourne, but we went to Perth, which is the far west coast. We went to Northern Australia, which is kind of deceiving because, like, the center of the country is technically in the state of Northern Australia because the country is just so big. So we went to what they call Ayers Rock, but in the indigenous language, it's Uluru. Uh, we went to Adelaide, which is the capital of Australia twice. Uh, we went to Sydney, of course, we went up the gold coast Cairns, to also went to, uh, I can't remember the other place we went to, went to the rainforest up there. One of them up there. Uh, I feel bad that I can't remember the (laughs) name of it. It was 12 years ago. So anyway, but we got, we did, it had a good mix of, um, city and cultural experiences, um, you know the arts and theater and stuff like that, but we also obviously spend as much time doing agricultural things and out in the country as as we could. So it was it was a, looking back, it was a really really valuable experience, and we still have friends from there that we stay in contact with. So I would not it was really hard. If you ever want to test your new marriage, get married and move ac- literally across the world. Um, this was before smartphones, so you couldn't just like Facetime someone, um, couldn't just like pick up a phone and text, and so. Move across the country and be newlyweds by yourself with no family or friends to support you, and that with if you can get through that, you can get through anything.
0: That's what I was gonna say. What a just like leap of faith, right? Like, hey, let's get married
1: and move across the world. Yeah, I mean, we had been planning to get married; like, that wasn't a thing. Right, movie. Like, I needed we. I wanted to get married before I like followed this man literally. Yeah. So. Um, that sped up the process a little bit. We were still engaged like a year before we got married, but I would have preferred to have a fall wedding instead of a wedding where a blizzard blew in the day oh, before. My goodness. So that's okay. It worked out great. Everything is fine. Um, but yeah, so that was our Australian adventure and it was we really liked it.
0: Well, how cool. And so what did you get your masters in and what did you focus on?
1: My master's is in animal science, behavior and well-being. Okay. So animal behavior and well being. Um, I I earned that at Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas, and I did most of my work with, or all of my work with cattle and hogs. So like the stuff that I helped with in Australia on the sheep, that was not, you know, that didn't, wasn't part of my program studies. I was just like a lab assistant and collected samples and did stuff like that. So, but yeah, my master's was in animal science.
0: Okay. Very cool. Um, Yeah. Wow. What a, what a start to your new life, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And so it was hard because like, I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I had been out of the country a couple of times before then. Like I'd been overseas to Europe on a study abroad trip with a, with a, you know, with K-State College Vag, And I had been on almost a three week trip to South Africa with the College Vag. So like I was experienced with like traveling out of the country um, and going overseas and stuff like that. But being that far away from family and friends and like having no, like having to make new friends. Um, and just being like cut off, basically that was, that was really hard for the first. Yeah. Thing, so.
0: For sure. So then you guys came back and then what kind of happens after that? Like settling into obviously life uh, back in America.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so we moved back like in December of 2011. So we were in Australia, like 10 and a half months or something like that. 11 months. Yeah. T- something like that. And then Christmas and stuff. And then January moved back to fan somewhere to live in Manhattan and went back. And um I finished my master's um in that spring, early summer of 2012. Um, Hyatt, my husband, he finished his master's sometime in there. Uh, and then he started on his PhD. And so then I went to work for a after I finished my thesis and my master's, I went to work for the Beef Cattle Institute, which was part of Kansas uh K-State Research and Extension and I did that for about a year. I was the communications coordinator there. I helped promote, um, beef quality assurance, things like that. And then after, I mean, so we were just in Manhattan and Manhattan is a lot of fun in the, uh, a college town is a lot of fun in the summer when they're still all like all the college students go home. And so that's really, it was really enjoyable in Manhattan. And like, so we were married and we waited six years before we had kids. So, being married without kids and not but like not being in college and actually having like a real income that was I mean you get to do a lot more stuff and so it was fun to go to I mean it was just it was a lot of fun it was a a chapter of my life that I look back on fondly so
0: right yeah no we so I live in Bryan College Station area where Texas A&M is Mm -hmm. so I can relate to that because I'm a student in terms of like graduate student but then I have a full-time job as well and so the town definitely changes when the students are not here but then you miss them when they come when they come back you're excited that they're back too it's kind of a interesting dynamic of like the outside but still being involved in it Um, I don't know I
1: I don't I wasn't ever really excited when the student after I went and finished my master's and I'd been living at this point I've been living in Manhattan for like six years or seven yeah okay I'm I mean I know they have to come back but like traffic is back you can't buy anything at the grocery store is sold out the grocery
0: store yeah traffic
1: can't one of get my
0: favorite. restaurants
1: yeah one of my favorite things in the summer for my husband and I was doing, like we didn't have any cattle or anything at the time we just had the horses and our dogs and so like it was and we both worked in like he was in the grad office and I was at my like at a full-time job but like we would go and like you know have cheap you know happy hour drinks or whatever at the right. Like uh, the empty Aggieville, you know during the yeah. summer, that's always really enjoyable, like to no we don't need to go out and do like a pub crawl. It's just enjoyable like go to happy hour and not be like crammed and just like enjoy enjoy it the and then still be able to go home. so I don't know, I was always a little salty when they came back, but everybody has to go to school. I mean, I guess not everybody has to go to school, but like they gotta come back. it's a college to
0: come back, yeah, kind of need them to. Keep yeah, things the going, students I guess.
1: Are the lifeblood of a college town? Oh, you kind of <laughs> have to come back.
0: Yes, no, I uh, I understand that as well, though. Yeah, traffic and just ease of getting around town when they come yeah. back is difficult. Yeah. Um. So then, okay, you graduated, um, you guys are in Manhattan, and then you moved out of Manhattan. Um, yeah, we to- left now. <clears throat> Yeah, so in
1: 2015 my husband finished his PhD he I guess he defended his PhD. We moved in August. We moved in July, moved on July 31st. So he wasn't quite done with his PhD yet. He was defend Our lease was up though. So it was like we're not going to sign a new lease cuz we need to move. Like he's right. going to finish his PhD in September. So we're not and our lease is up at the end of July. So like you know, yeah. we just moved. So we moved back to where I um grew up my husband had interviewed for like 13 jobs or something like he had like 13 let me rephrase that he had like 13 job offers wow and so we had decided that um we wanted to be close to one or both like one like our family he's from ohio i'm from kansas so we can't live near both of them right? right We also didn't want to live in you know like six or seven hours from both of them because we don't have a support system we know we wanted to have a family and kids so like it's you know So we lived in, we moved to where I'm from. Um, He got, he has a great job. He was offered, he was able to work remotely. Had to travel quite a bit when he first started. But so we moved down here. Um, Took us like six or eight weeks to find a place, uh, get an offer made, and like all that was kind of actually a dramatic issue with the former owner or the person that owned the house. So we lived with my dad for like six weeks. yeah. So that's always fun being an adult and moving back in with your parents, no matter how yep. long. Uh, but yeah, so we moved back to Southeast Kansas in 2015. And um, by that time I was working for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association uh, and I was remote. I started working there in 2013, so I was already remote. So it wasn't a big deal for for me to move down there and, and or down here and remain remote. So uh, yeah. And now we're here. We've been on the ranch and don't anticipate moving anytime soon so yeah and so you were
0: remote before remote was really a thing right Yeah, I was
1: remote before that was like uh cool it was before it was cool to be remote (laughs) I guess yeah I've been remote for it'll be 11 years in April
0: okay very cool yeah that's awesome um and so you guys moved to the ranch and are is do you have family like traditions in ranching or how did that kind of Um, evolve into now
1: I grew up on what you would call like a hobby ranch, so okay. we had four H animals. Always had like show pig or a couple show pigs every year for the fair, and some show sheep, bucket calves. You know, we've always had rope. We always had calves and steers, rope and cattle to rodeo. My family has rodeoed. Um, my parents rodeoed. I rodeo still. So like we always had cattle growing up and horses and stuff like that. But we didn't have any cattle that we like contributed to the food supply. Okay. Like that was never the goal, like production agriculture. So that's why I call it a hobby ranch. Um, but my dad and my like I'm at least a third generation like agricultural per- like I don't want to say agricultural employee, but like employed by agriculture. So like my right. dad um when I was young he managed a um a trucking operation and a feed yard. Like there was a, an, a diversified ag company that owned a feed yard and a trucking company and a seed business. Like, and so he was the manager over all of these. So when I was growing up, I was immersed in agriculture that way, even though we weren't like involved directly in production agriculture. And before my dad and my grandpa cowboyed on, you know, all over ranches and stuff like that in the Midwest. Um, and so like, like I said, I like a third generation, employed or involved in agriculture but this is you know the first time we've been now like involved in production agriculture for like seven and a half years my husband's family however he grew up on a diversified crop and livestock operation his parents have small cow herd; they still do um you know they have um they farm corn and soybeans and maybe occasionally wheat in northwest Ohio so um yeah he grew up in this like production ag lifestyle so okay and like you asked about family like I live and my dad lives a mile away and his two sisters and my grandpa and many of my cousins all live within like seven miles so like a lot of my family is like right here in this county so
0: right well that makes it nice especially now with the girls and everything having kind of family close
1: yeah absolutely I mean it's um I don't know how people who don't have family nearby um have kids and jobs and hobbies and things like that like I imagine I mean that's just seems that just seems like insurmountably difficult so because I know that we would be I mean it would it would just be so hard like hard beyond belief for us to have kids and all these cows and both of us have employment that uh that we have to travel like I don't know how we would do that without family and friends so
0: yes. Yeah, no, I agree. I right now, so I live in Texas, but I'm from California and my whole family is still in California. And so I keep telling them, like, hey, uh, you need to go ahead and make the decision to move to Texas because oh. once I get to that point in life, you're gonna have to be here. So <laughs> we'll yeah. see how that shakes out. But yeah. I yeah.
1: It's difficult. I mean, it's it having a family is difficult anyway, but when you throw in kids and cattle, like every time you add something to your plate. It gets harder to—I don't want to use the word balance, but it gets harder to carry the plate evenly. Yeah. I'm gonna say so.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I agree. I mean, even just right now, I make several phone calls a week to my dad about the cows in terms of because we just have a couple head, um, just on our farm, on our ranch here. But uh, you know, things I thought I knew, and then I'm questioning everything because I'm having to do it alone for the first time. Um, Yeah. But that, that was kind of my question for you was, um, the cattle. Was that something that you and your husband knew you kind of always wanted to get into or how did that kind of evolve?
1: Yeah. Very, from very early on. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be involved in production agriculture, but I wasn't sure exactly how, like, I thought maybe I would come back and have a, you know, live on the ranch or something like that and rodeo and maybe have some cattle with whoever I ended up marrying or something like that. I didn't have like a real clear vision. Um, my husband off, like, he was always like, Hey, in his mind, he was going to have <laughs> cattle or hogs or crops or all of them or whatever. So when we met and started dating and we're starting, you know, starting to get serious and talk about the future, which didn't take very long. Um, yeah. It was just kind of like a natural, it wasn't like one of us wanted cows and the other one had to be like talked into it, you know, it right. was just it was a mutual love of that. And, and for the first, however many, you know, we had cattle for a year ish yeah close to a year before we ever had um kids and like we've always done everything together and so that just extended to the cattle and we started out with like no working facilities and a bunch of like put together cows and it was just not how you should probably get into the beef industry but we did everything together because we wanted to be doing it together and we also wanted to be we both wanted to be involved with it so it was um yeah it was never like a can we please get cows one of us begging or anything like that yeah, I think when it's a mutual
0: agreement and there's like passion on both sides, that makes the whole process a lot easier too, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, I can't say that we both always love it when it's like we had to, um, you know, we fly tagged our grass cattle in June or something like that. Uh-huh. And it was a hot and disgusting day. And it was like fly. And even when we, st- even when we started early, and we, we were done before like noon. But even when you start early, like it's still hot and gross. And I'm just like, this was not the dream when, you know, when you're thinking about, but what the dream is, is when you're, it's like fall calving now and I'm like riding in pasture and turning fall and there's the cows and new babies running around or you're checking for a new one. Like that's the dream, right? Yeah. The dream gets you through like the hot, dusty cow poop covered days or the, you know, the late February blizzard that we are prone to have here. Like the dream, the basic leaf basically like a month of spring and a couple months of fall get you through the other (laughs) the other nine months or like uh probably like april through june and then again like october and november get you through the rest of the year so we go to grass in may and there's it's it's hard to be on a a nice like 75 degree day in early may May, watching the cows they get off the trailer they drop their heads and start eating knee-high green grass like that's hard to beat that vision so
0: yeah absolutely. yeah that the dream that that's a has a good way to put it to have the the few short months of the dream to get you through the I don't want to say nightmare because that's not true, but just that's the hard a times <laughs>
1: it's, yeah, it's a tough time. It's not a nightmare yeah,
0: a yeah. yeah, for sure. um, so you guys have a lot going on, obviously, so you've got um, a little, a little. <laughs> and like, okay, so tell me about that. like you have so much going on, but like how Just explain what what you got going on. What irons do you have in the fire right now, I guess, first. Our
1: whole family or me alone or what? What what Um, all what what can of worms are you looking or what bucket of marbles are you wanting here, Allie?
0: Let's let's start with you, I guess. And then if there's overlap with family, great. And we can kind of circle back
1: to that too if we have time. Okay, well everything overlaps with family here. So um Then (laughs) perfect. Yeah. So personally I'm an independent contractor in communications arena. So um, I'm the editor of the Red Angus magazine with the Red Angus Association of America. So that's one of my clients, and I manage their social media. Previously, I was the director of communications and the editor of the magazine full time for the Red Angus Association of America for about five and a half years. But I just recently went to contract um so I could own my own business. So I do that. Um I also do a lot of freelance writing. I why am I forgetting everything that I do? I do a lot of freelance writing. Um, I have, I host a podcast, excuse me, I host a podcast called The Beef Podcast Show. I um, have a video series on Acres TV, so that's behind the scenes, ranch life, and then also ag commentary about like ag issues or po- food policy or things like that. So I have the video series, hosting a podcast, freelance writing, oh, public speaking. How did I forget that? I do a lot of public speaking, whether that be um, as a keynote speaker to groups across the country, um, to leading workshops about social media strategy and growing your brand, um, to hands-on workshops about like how to craft a response to fear-based, mar- fear-based marketing. So I do a lot of um, public speaking I do um, I lead mastermind groups with um, like if you have a, a group of ag influencers, something like that and they're they're trying to like bounce ideas off each other like how they can make an impact or how they can cheat tweak their strategy so I lead like a mastermind group you know I have periodically offer my calendar to a group of a set number of people and they can con- like we just do the group mastermind and so I lead those um, I have video series I do a lot of and you know I do I don't do a lot. I do brand partnerships that I believe in
0: yeah. that
1: we are part of our everyday practices. So I, um, I don't take on a brand partnership if it's not a product that I'm already using or a product that I believe in or an idea or a company whose, um, values and thoughts align with mine. So I do select brand partnerships in that. So that I think that. I think that's everything. Those are all my like employment irons, like the different contracts and and ways that like my business has grown. Um, And then as a family, my husband has a full-time job. He is the um, U.S. director for a swine feeding technology company. That is, it's a worldwide company, but he leads the U.S. division. Um, That company's called Giga, J-Y-G-A, because I know it sounds weird to say Giga. So it's J-Y-G-A, Giga. Um, Then we also have, uh, we have our purebred um, Gelvie and Balancer seed stock operations. So we sell bulls and heifers. Uh, we sell, we calve in the fall. So we say sell 18 month old age advantaged bulls and heifers. Um, our, it's exciting. Our first private treaty open house is coming up this December. So that's very exciting for us to have gone from, you know, selling like four bulls private treaty to now having like close to 30. So we're having like an open open house. That's exciting for us um since the pandemic started we um have really expanded on our freezer beef business it used to just be we'd have we might sell like two or three a year maybe just from like we had a you know like a calf born randomly that didn't fit the rest of the group or something and now it's like a dedicated part of our ranches, like it's diversified arm of income for our ranch. And so that's really grown tremendously. We have some awesome repeat customers and we're always like, you know, getting more people. We live in like an hour from Kansas city, um, the Kansas city metro area. So it's, you know, we're close enough to be able to connect with consumers there because we do not ship. I'm not shipping beef. I do not want to devote that much. It takes so much time to do that. So I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then, so we, let's see, we have the purebred cattle, we have the freezer beef, and then the past couple of years, we've tried to take advantage of the cattle market and we have run grass cattle. So we get our, um, in 2021, we got our grass cattle in, um, in December and had those through like the following August. And then in 20, this past year, we actually didn't get them until March of 23. And then we just sold them a couple. We just marketed them maybe two or three weeks ago or something like that. So, but we're trying to take advantage of the market. We are not going to become full-time stocker operators. It's not something yeah. that I desire to be. I don't have, I'm pretty, I'm usually pretty comfortable with risk. I'm not that comfortable with risk. I feel like it takes a very special person um to want to be a stalker operator like as their full-time and I respect people that want to do that but that is not something for me I get anxiety as I think about it so yeah it's a lot more power to those folks I hope that they continue to do a great job of it so that so that, that doesn't ever have to be something I'm forced to do is become a full-time stock operator <laughs> um so I think that's it oh and then I rodeo as much as possible like as much as possible I were before you and I got on the phone I told you I was outside I rode two horses I went to a roping yesterday all day and then I'm going to a rode, uh, roping tomorrow we're since this is September now we're like out of rodeo season for the most part and into like jackpot season and stuff so I'm trying to and generally the fall and winter is when you work on your young horses and like work on yourself so that you're ready to go when summer hits again so yeah and then we have two kids so so you're lots of spare time yeah. I don't like having spare time though. Cause I always feel like, I mean, I like some spare time, but when I'm just like, if I have like a whole day, I'm like, and I just were, if I, if I were to spend a whole day watching football, which I absolutely love. And I would not hate that. I would probably at the end of the day, be like, man, I could have gotten a lot done today. Like, why didn't I at least have my laptop on my lap? So I like, we try to play hard and, but we also work really hard. So yeah. Usually- Usually from like eight to ten thirty or eight thirty to ten thirty or eleven at night is our t- is like our time to de-stress. I work I work on projects at night that I didn't get done during the day, or I um we watch football as much as we can. So like you know, March through March through August is there's not a lot to watch at night. So yeah. uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean it works for us. <laughs> I ranchers for ranchers,
0: together let's make ranching easier. Previously known as Cattle Back Box, Strayhorn has rebranded to better match their ability to push the envelope in creating innovative animal management products to serve the ranching community. Strayhorn is rooted in tradition and ranching legacy, but they believe in the opportunity of looking at things with a new perspective to drive the industry forward. Check out all of the things that Strayhorn has to offer you and your herd. Yeah, no, I think it's sometimes I'm the same way. Like I like being busy and having things doing, like, I feel like I'm at my best when I'm have a lot going on. Um, but I think that is intimidating to people too. Like they don't understand it. So when I can talk to somebody who does get it, I, I really enjoy it because, um, it's just, I, for me, I just wouldn't have it any other way. And I life without all the things doesn't make
1: sense to me. Um, I think I would be bored I don't know I do maybe I, I think I'd be bored or not as productive if I didn't have most minutes of every day planned yeah I'm really good at multitasking and I'm very very efficient with my time and I feel like I wouldn't be as good at either of those things if I didn't have such like a full schedule
0: yeah no I agree I think it keeps me sharp
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yep yeah.
0: so how did you going back to kind of the beginning of that all of that <laughs> How did you get into the communication side? I know you said you like started doing freelancing when you guys were living in Australia, but how did you decide like, that's the route you wanted to take kind of career wise was the communication side of stuff?
1: Um, So I started my blog buzzards beat, which is my last name with an S buzzards beat. And I started that in 20 2009. So it's been 14 years ago Um, in October, actually, I, I have to do, I need to plan something. I don't know. But it's been 14 years. I started that blog because I, I went to Kansas State University, which is one of the, you know, the top ag universities in the uh, college, agricultural universities in the United States. And like the K-State Legion, the school newspaper kept like printing these anti-ag op-eds. And I was like, well, that's not okay. And so I wrote one to respond to this. And I like broke the first rule of a letter to the editor, which is like, check the requirements. If it's only 300 words, don't write like a 600 word essay. Well, <laughs> I sent in a 600 word essay and they were like, um, no, thank you. And so I didn't know what to do with it. And I talked to a journalist who used to work or uh, used to work for Drovers. His name's Chuck Jolly. He's a very prominent, very talented writer and journalist in the cattle industry. And he was like, well, it, I asked him like, what should I do? I want to get, how do I make my voice heard, et cetera. And he was like, well, send it to me and I'll let you know, like what I think, et cetera. I thought he was going to like edit it and make it better. Um, He just put it on drovers.com instead, which was great. And I thought, oh, that was cool. Let's do that. And so I started my blog. And then from there, it was just writing. Um, A lot of it was just writing about ag issues and things like that because I didn't have cattle at the time. So it was like kind of all encompassing of ag, um, a lot of like animal rights activist type updates. Um, And then it really wasn't until I was like in grad school. I guess I was in grad school at that time anyway, but I was a little further into grad school when I was like, I really like doing this. Um, So that's when I started uh, you know, I was blogging more. I was in a group, uh, called food for thought at K state. It was just like a, an, a grassroots advocacy group led by students. And so I was writing press releases and stuff there to promote events for them. And then, you know, I went to Australia and was freelancing, talking about our agricultural experience there to try to get things under, you know, get some experience. So I would say it was like really that 2010 time period where I was like, this is kind of what I want to do. Um, I never really had the goal of being self-employed, At that time, if if you told me in 2010 that I'd be self-employed doing all this, like I would have been shocked. Um, But came back, continued when I while I worked at the Beef Cattle Institute at K-State, I continued to um, freelance for different ag publications like Drive Magazine and Boar Goat Magazine, things like that, and get my feet under me with it. And then um, I had already been doing advocacy work for at that point for like almost two years or three years. And I had writing, uh, writing samples under my belt and stuff like that. So when the job opportunity came open at um, NCBA, and it was an advocacy and issues communication based position, like I was kind of right in my wheelhouse. So I applied for that. Um, if you can ever, it's like word of wisdom for those who are listening. If you can ever be interviewed by one of your references, when you apply for a job, like I highly recommend that. So I applied for the job. I asked a, a friend of mine, um, a, a man, a guy that I, I really respect in the communications industry and in the beef industry. I was like, Hey, could you be my reference? And he was like, yeah. And then, so when I went out to interview at NCBA, I walked in the room and he was interviewing me and I was like, well, that helps like, right. So um, yeah. So I would say it was 2010 when I really kind of decided that's what I wanted my degree to be in. I still enjoy, like if there were remote opportunities for me to be like in quality control or some type of like animal well-being role remotely i would love that it's just not yeah. there's not those opportunities available like i'm not going to move we're not going to move we have all this we have land leases tied up and we have all these cows like that's not feasible and when i finished and defended my ma- and like graduated with my master's degree at that time most of the animal welfare type or animal well-being type positions were either at a like a slaughter facility, like a meat plant, Tyson, Cargill, etc., or like as a university professor. So there weren't really a lot of opportunities because we didn't want to be in a college town, and I was only available in one college town, and um, and I didn't have I p I don't have my Ph.D. and so there was just not as many opportunities in that realm as there is now. Um, I tell I have uh, some um, a colleague from when I worked at NCBA and then my former master's, my major professor, like I tell them, I would love to like get a PhD that combines like animal welfare and sustainability like together. Um, but I don't know how to do that remotely and I'm not going to move to Colorado state to do it. So, um, maybe someday I'll get my PhD in ag and animal science, some weird like thing together. I don't know, maybe someday, but anyway, that's how I got here to where I am. So I was at NCBA for almost five years and then applied for the job, uh, the directory communications job at Red Angus. So, yeah, there you go. back, oh, back to long winded.
0: No, I think it's so fascinating to hear people's journey of like how and what they did to get to kind of where they are, because I think in a lot of ways, they don't typically follow the plan that we think we have for ourselves. Right. Yeah, I would, so... I thought
1: I'd be like a, like work at an ag lending company or yeah. work, you know farm insurance or something like that I thought that's what I would be doing and I not I couldn't be further from <laughs> right.
0: yeah but you're putting you're bad. pointing about the phd it's,
1: oh go ahead sorry that is not bad that you know those roles aren't bad at all they're just not what I'm doing so I, I it's just funny the way when we have our plans then God's like haha no 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 that's not what you're gonna do
0: yeah, 100%. I can totally relate to that. Um, I thought I was going to do at something. I got my undergrad in ag business. And then I thought I was going to do something. I don't even know. Ag law was kind of the realm I thought I was going to go into. And here I am working for poultry science, which I have zero background in and I, getting my PhD in ag comm. And so funny noticed, how
1: world I just noticed the chicken and yeah, my little chickens up here. No oh, no in the chair in that black chair behind oh, you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that I was can just, my chicken. I toilet. just noticed it's like chicken sitting there. This little head popped up. Oh gosh. I hope those of you who are listening, like you need to go online and watch the episode on YouTube or wherever it's posted because it's probably it's been there the whole time and I just noticed there's a chicken there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, yeah. I have quite the collection of chicken things um in an office for someone who is terrified of
1: chickens. Uh so Okay, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, they freak me out. I don't know something about them they're just kind of so you're
1: getting your phd in poultry science
0: no so i work for the poultry science department as a program oh, coordinator
1: okay. okay gotcha
0: yeah i'm getting my phd in ag comms okay um,
1: okay i was like you yeah. may be the wrong phd
0: program <laughs> right. i've learned to appreciate them but yeah. i prefer not to hold them
1: they're like tiny dinosaurs so yeah yeah that's what we say yeah. at our house. they're tiny dinosaurs although i do tell my oldest my oldest daughter oakley will be seven in december and i'm just like I don't know why she's afraid of them. She's never had like a bat. She's just a very timid child by nature. And there's nothing wrong with that. But she's like kind of scared of them. And she's gotten a lot better. Like she'll go in the pen. Like a couple of years ago, the child was just like terrified to go in. And I was like, what are chickens? They're just birds. And so <laughs> that's her response. And so like I'm just trying to get her used to she's never gonna pick one up, but I need her not to be terrified to go in and look for eggs. So yeah.
0: But yeah. isn't that funny? Because she's, told, is she scared of cattle or horses? No. Oh. Yeah. That's what people okay. are like, wait, you're not scared but of she, cows? Yeah. But-,
1: but she loves tiny, like I always talk about how chickens are tiny T-Rexes. She loves dinosaur stuff. <laughs> and like big animatronic dinosaurs don't scare her. But like tiny ancestors, you know, millions of years after the dinosaurs are terrifying her. Not the actual original thing. Right.
0: But yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I don't know. They're just... They're interesting little
1: creatures yeah yeah oh, about man. Kids or both.
0: what I said are you talking about kids or chickens
1: uh, well both chickens <laughs> both. both both I love it there's your tagline for the episode
0: oh yes okay that's gonna be the clip <laughs> there
1: you go yes exactly
0: oh man what's
1: an intriguing creature chicken or a kid
0: Right? Oh, man, that's too funny. Oh, man. Well, kind of to wrap things up today um, is really just kind of a personal question, I think, more than anything. Oh, my uh, personal question for myself in terms of oh. looking back on kind of all the things that you've done, and that you're doing. Is there something that you think is like, either a trait of yourself or just Something that's happened that has allowed you to really do things in the way that you do them.
1: I know that's, that's complex, not what I thought you were gonna ask me. Um I don't know. I I feel like even though I don't like change or I'm slow to accept change sometimes. Don't just like run away from it. I'm trying, I don't know. I'm trying to like compress things here. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've always prided myself on is that I am like I am who I am. Like the person that you're talking to here, this is me in person on this podcast. But like if we were gonna go with me grocery shopping here in the network, which is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go to the doctor's office and go to the grocery store after this, I would be like the exact same. And so that's something I really pride myself on is like the awesome authenticity of just all of my channels, you know, like whether it be on Facebook and talking about, you know, what we do on the ranch and that's like a grocery shopper facing outlet, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, on the acres TV video series, like that's more focused at like ranchers and farmers and other agricultural producers and people who are involved in agriculture. Like I'm literally the same awkward, rambly, sarcastic, you know, outspoken person in person as I am on camera um so I think that I mean love me or hate me I I stick true to who I am I guess that's and I don't know how that has that's helped me in life I I I can't really say that it's been like the quote-unquote key to success because I think success is relative for each different person but yeah I guess love me love me or hate me no one can ever fault me for being like fake so I kind of always hang my hat on that and so when I do get approached by a brand partnership generally they are asking for like authenticity and I'm like well I can do that because I literally don't know how to do anything else so um yeah I guess maybe that's it I don't even know if that answered your question but no it it was awkward family which is true to form for me
0: (laughs) no it definitely did and I think that's so important especially like in the world that we live in where there's so much comparison and like seeing quite literally what other people are doing every hour of the day I think that's that's something that can be lost sometimes so I think that's important
1: I, I have tried to be like that and this isn't focused at like any person directly but just like the the realm of people whether it be mommy bloggers or home decor influencers or whatever it is like their photos always looks like everything looks so like polished and perfect and I have tried to do that and I literally cannot do it like I don't know how to make things look so perfect I I don't know how to do that I mean if someone taught me how to do it I would probably do it but (laughs) I just I don't know and so it it feels like too hard to try to be that way honestly so I've just it feels easier to just be myself honestly yeah so easy thing I don't know I'll just take the easy thing I guess
0: yeah no I get that for sure what do you think I was gonna ask you
1: oh I thought you were gonna ask me if there's anything I would like change or advice for someone like getting started in your career or something like that. And I, I had an answer for that and you didn't ask it because I feel stupid because I wasn't <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. It's oh, okay. Would good. you like to You're answer not, that yeah. as well? Well now it feels like set up and forced it doesn't feel like <laughs> um but sure sure. Um the difference between me now I feel like a major difference between me now in my career and that I'm like I'm closer to 40 than I am 30 30 now at this point. i'm not ashamed like it's a privilege to grow old i just want people to know that like everybody's afraid of getting older it is a privilege to grow old um but like the the bit something i've noticed a big difference between me like brandy brandy buzzard now and brandy buzzard like seven seven years ago is that like i don't like wait for opportunities to come to me anymore like i'm create, like I'm thinking of something and I'm just going to go out and do it and approach someone about doing this rather than things coming to me. Things still come to me. And I'm very grateful for those things that come to me, but I'm also working to create my own opportunities and not just yeah. hope that some, the phone rings or hope that I get that email. Cause sometimes it doesn't ring or the email doesn't come. So what are you going to do in those cases? So I'm, I'm working and Brandy up until about the age of close to 30 did not have that mindset like in high school I was never like you know I want to achieve this and this is a program in college I want to do you know like that's not the way I was I was just like you know waiting for things to come to me and that's fine if things are coming but yeah I I wanted to make things happen for myself so no
0: I think that's also like such an important thing uh not to keep talking about like today's society but I think a lot of younger people are in that mindset of, oh, it'll come to me if I wait, or sometimes you have to go out and do it yourself too.
1: And it certainly can. I mean, it certainly, yeah. can come to you. you know, like I got my, so I got my start public speaking. I, you know, I was a public speaker all through high school and co- like with 4-H and FFA. And I was really good at, at public speaking and FFA. And in college, I did public speaking things like clubs and stuff like that and presentations. And then you know, my job at NCBA, I traveled to lots of different states and did advocacy trainings and issue and like, I trained people how to be on TV. And I trained them how to be advocates. And so I had to speak in front of people. And so, you know, the public speaking was a skill I gained through my career. And then it turned into a actual career because people would call me after I left NCBA and say, Hey, can you come talk about advocacy? And I was like, well, I don't work there anymore, but I'll still come and do it. And so that's how it started as people were just calling me. Well, now like I speak about different topics. I'm a keynote speaker now, but, you know, it's not just like my keynotes are not advocacy and how we can stand up or, uh, you know, animal rights is bad. Like they're like, some of them are like motivational and some of them are about advocacy and some of them are about women and, you know, like not losing your passion as you become a mother and you go on through life. Like they're different topics now and I have to like go out and make those opportunities happen. And so it's, people certainly still do call and email, but I'm not going to rely on just hoping that someone calls or someone. So you can do both. Like it doesn't have to be, you only get calls from people or you only pitch yourself or you only make opportunities. It's, it's both.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Could not agree more. I think, um,
1: yeah, the high anxiety risk averse buzzard does not (laughs) like to wait for gets nervous if things aren't happening so i have to like ma- busy myself with making something happen so
0: right the non-stalker brandy would is not about that but
1: <laughs>
0: the business yeah. brandy is
1: yeah yeah the the not a stalker operator brandy does not <laughs> does not want to have to wait for stuff to come in so
0: i get that i get that well i really appreciate you uh taking time to sit down and chat with me today uh i think we have covered so much good information in so many different areas um so i'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode but if somebody is wanting to get in touch with you what is a good way for them to connect
1: okay well someone's to get touching me my name is brandy buzzard and i'm loud and i have red hair so literally if you google me is pretty easy to find me um however if you're looking to follow or you know learn more or whatever um I'm on Instagram at Brandy Buzzard. That's Brandy with an I and buzzard like the bird. My Facebook page is Buzzards Beat. So plural buzzards, pretend there's two of them, Beat, B-E-A-T. And then I have my series on Acres TV. That's watchacrestv.com. Acres is a free streaming service. You can get on Roku, a tablet, You know, any smart TV, it's just like a regular channel. Like it's an app that you add like Disney or you add Amazon Prime, but it's free and it's all agricultural content, entertainment, markets, education, all of it, all free all the time. And um, so I have my series there. It's behind the ranch, but it also has like different discussions of ag trends and issues and policy and stuff. So I would love it if you guys would reach out to me there. So Instagram, Facebook and watchacrestv.com. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, again, thank you so much. And I thoroughly enjoyed getting to chat with you finally. um, And I can't wait to see all of these things continue to um, flourish and continue to watch you kind of be a voice for agriculture.
1: Well, uh, thank you so much for having me. I like that hour flew by and we could have kept (laughs) talking. I've been happy to talk to you for another hour, but thank you so much for having me on. It was really, really great to talk to you. And I hope that our paths cross like in person sometime in the future.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks for more agricultural related content. And also be sure to check out your favorite podcast gear from www.agchicks.net. We'll see you next time.